0: Welcome back to the SOG, Servants of God Network podcast. We're here today alongside me with Brother Randy. We are here to uh, talk about the dismissal of God's power. We just got out of uh, evening service here at our church. Had a good service and uh preacher preached on a sermon of Jonah. Can you tell us a little bit about the story of Jonah and what you got from that, Brother Randy?
1: Well, um... God calls you to do something and you don't do it and you try to run from it. Um, you're going to end up doing what God had you to do to begin with where you wanted to or not. So it ain't going to make no difference how far you run or how hard you try to get away from it. In the end, it, you're still going to do what he have you to do. So um, that's what, exactly what happened with Jonah. So,
0: Well, I feel like uh, what I got out of it was um, just submitting to God's will it's kind of like uh, Brother Scott was saying you know the more you run from him the more he's going to throw at you his way when you're trying to fight his his, uh, his will that he has for right. you. So I just w- well
1: I mean even, even when Jonah ran God used his hard-headedness I guess you could say or his uh, his lack of being in in the will of god to bring others to to him because uh, the men in the boat they turned from their pagan gods and started worshiping god and you know, made a sacrifice unto him then they tossed jonah's butt in the water but you know even then god still found a way to get honor and glory
0: so so basically you see jonah uh, god giving him a task or a mission and him basically saying, I don't want to do it. Him being stubborn and saying, look, um, you know, I'm not going to do this. And God obviously showed him that he was one way or another and used, you know, the weather. He used the the, the well and he used um, just his power. And, you know, getting into the the podcast here, we, we dismiss that all the time of God's power. We really, you know, it's hard to see power in something that you can't see
1: well here's the thing you we need to think about especially in like we're reading a story of jonah um yeah jonah said or god told jonah said hey look i need i'm sending you to nineveh i want you to preach to the ninevites you know preach them to repentance um but we don't know the the full story as in how god was looking at it God already knew Jonah was going to run or, you know, kind of buck right. the system there and, you know, try to get out of it. But for all we know, God already had it planned and knew Jonah was going to run. He was going to take advantage of Jonah running and use it to bring honor and glory to his name. Because now he, like I said, you see in the story when Jonah ran and got in the boat, by the time it was all said and done, the, the, the scene, so to speak, in the boat ended up being those men, those Sailors, I guess you could call them, ended up turning to God and worshiping Him and, and sacrificing, you know, the Jehovah God of Heaven. So, God used that and, that, and that, to me, it it kind of paints the picture of God knew that was going to happen, and that was part of it. Like that was part of the plan that God was going to use all that to, you know, bring people to Him. And in the end, obviously Jonah ended up going to Nineveh and preaching them to repentance, and and uh, all, all of Nineveh repented. But God will use your. It don't matter the circumstances. God will will use it to bring honor and glory to His name
0: in all things. So we see Jonah here uh, dismissing, or you know, in his and I guess in his words, he would say, you know. You know, you, you, I know you. What you want me to do, but I'm not going to do it. So let's look at the definition of dismissal. Dismissal: the act of treating something as unworthy of serious consideration or just straight up rejecting it. So we see here Jonah rejecting uh, God's mission. You know, he heard it plain and clearly and saw what God wanted him to do, but he ended up, he ended up, you know, not, you know, being stubborn like we all are. Yep. I, f- I feel like we all have come about that almost, well, for me, each and every day. Um, You know, we have to die to flesh daily. And what I'm getting at to my next point is surrendering. You look at Romans 12, chapter 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, you know, like we was studying earlier today, we're bond servants to, to god because you know G- he sent jesus to die on a cross for our sins because now we are forever in debt to him
1: we're bond servants i mean that's galatians 2 and 20 um, i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ lives within me so once you're saved receive salvation it's it's not your will anymore it's god's will, it's god's will and the spirit of god that lives within us after the after we repent and receive salvation so you know you're not acting on your own anymore you know you're not relying on this flesh because the flesh will take you to hell right
0: in a have basket
1: yeah i mean quick and easy straight to hell but it's when we, we have to submit to god and to god's will we you know In our everyday life and our everyday walk with God, all the choices that we make, all the things that we do each and every day, and you know, and not one day is like another. It's always, it's always seems like there's something different, something else going on. But in the sum of things, we have to learn to rely on God and understand that God is in complete control. That's right. Like Brother Scott said, sovereign, sovereignty you know and he he knows what we're going through he knows what we're dealing with he knows what we're going to need to get through each and every situation that we face each and every day and the hardest thing we we face as as a child of god and as a christian is submitting to god's will and god's power and leaning on god's wisdom and god's knowledge to get through each and everything but we don't do that When we face trials and tribulations we try to go on what we know or what we think and then we fail we fail miserably
0: so to see god's power you know truly at work we can both agree that we both we have to surrender first and foremost let's look at surrender and submission the definition because they go hand in hand surrender is cease to resistance to an enemy or an opponent and submit to their authority and submission is the act or the fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force god or to the will or authority of another person in this case god so let me ask you why is it important to submit to god i mean it's pretty simple i mean
1: so when you come to know jesus or confess the lord jesus and repent of your sins you're submitting to him you know surrender yeah surrender to his power his will because the bible says god hates workers of iniquity hates them and i know everybody tries to preach this message of god loves everybody prosperity That's, that's not true god does god does not love everybody not every man is not created equal the Bible doesn't doesn't say that if you're a worker of iniquity God God hates you and if you read and that, that's Psalms 5:5. if you read on over in the Psalms chapter 6 verse 11 every day hates the iniquity every day
0: because we see that Satan done that exact thing and that's why he cast him out of heaven
1: yeah so okay so let me let me tie that back into what what we're talking about the god's power so if you're not for god you're against god all All right right? so when you're out here in the world and you're living you know a life of iniquity you're a worker of iniquity you're a wicked person and and i can't I, i can't convey this enough just because the world thinks you're a good person doesn't mean Jack Dilly squat. Period. Your good works alone will not get you to heaven. Amen. As far as God looks at you, you're still a worker of iniquity. I don't care if you're in you're at every soup kitchen, you know, you know ladling out soup. Seven days a week, and there's nothing
0: you can do to grant your place. Exactly,
1: in you cannot work yourself into heaven on good works alone. If, if
0: that was the case, Jesus would have. You're dismissing Jesus having to be crucified.
1: Yeah, if you could work yourself into heaven, then there was no reason for Christ to be crucified. Exactly. So you're a worker of iniquity. Your life is full of iniquity. You're, you're living a life of sin. All right. So God hates that. Period. Alright, so when you come to know God, you submit, you repent of that iniquity, you repent of the sinful life that you live, you submit to God's will and God's power, and that simply means you're you're making a confession, I can't do this without God, I can't fight against God any longer, that I'm going to submit to Him and live my life for Him, and He in me.
0: My favorite saying, put your pride aside. Yeah deny your flesh and pick up your cross daily
1: and it's only when you do that 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 Christ the Spirit of God can truly live within you
0: within you and then we see um, fruits being bared forth you know a lot of people you know I pray that no one takes offenses but a lot of people think they're saved That's not they have a false salvation
1: well (laughs) <laughs> you open this can of worms, and I'm gonna I'm gonna head and kick the top off of it. Okay. I do not believe you're once saved always saved. I do not believe in eternal salvation. In the Bible, there's so many parables in the Bible that that Jesus talks about this. Yes, at one point in time you're part of the vine, you're grafted in. But if you're not producing the fruits of the spirit, and God will give you ample chances. There's a parable in the Bible. I just read it. Uh, last night and I read it again today. It's in Luke chapter. Uh, I want to say a verse or chapter 11, maybe chapter 12 about the This man he owns a vineyard he or, uh, owns a uh, I think it's a vineyard and he plants a fig tree and he keeps coming to the fig tree and It's not ever produced any fruit and he tells the the guy that's watching over the field there. He's like I keep. I've been coming to this for three years now, and it's not produced any fruit. Cut it down. And when the God tells him, he said, "You know, hang on. A, you know, hang on a second, Master. Let me dig around it. I'm going to dung it, no, worries, fertilize it. And if it doesn't produce fruit, then, then I'll cut it down." That's a parable about a Christian in the Christian life, where you've accepted salvation, you're you're rooted and grafted into the vine of Christ. He is the vine, we are the branches. And, uh, and, uh, and our job as the branches off the vine of Christ is to produce the fruits of the Spirit. If you're not producing the fruits of the Spirit, then you're going to be cut off and you're going to be cast into the fire. You're going to be burned. Period. And I think that's a message that's not being preached enough.
0: Well, I feel a lot of people struggle with... You know, proclaiming to be saved at a young age, and then obviously getting away from the faith and not having any mentor or leadership towards Christ, and they stumble, and then they live, you know, 10, 15 years, and then they finally submit, like, you know, you know, the whole age of accountability. Well, when they come, or they think they know that they're in the age of the accountability. And they know, okay, if I die, I'm going to hell. I need to be saved. Yeah. And I'm speaking from personal experience mm-hmm. here. You you, you know you're saved, and you're like, okay, it's good. Well, you're, you're right there where Satan wants you to be. Because yeah. you're young. You're an infant. You're just learning how to crawl before you walk. And you go through all these years. Your family gets out of church, and there's not much you can do as a young kid. I mean, you can't drive yourself to... To church at seven eight year old mm-hmm. so you 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 stray away and you go down a path that god that's not in god's will and then here it is 10 15 years later and you're like okay i you know i need to rededicate my life i think people often get confused with um the once saved always saved you know i'm not denying that i wasn't saved when i was you know nine year old but I look at it as far as... The, it was a process of sanctification, for one. For two, I didn't look... I knew the whole time that I can't just go out here and live any way I want to and I will be okay. There was a point in my life that I came to later in my early 20s that I realized, Hey, you need you know, you know, need to get them sins washed away, buddy. Because if you die, you're going to pay for them. Yep. And that's when I took that submission as an adult because I, I... I grew up you know and knew okay i'm going to hell at this point if i don't i've strayed away from the faith and it this ties into what you're saying not once saved always saved because i strayed away and the devil had me where he wanted me but i knew i wasn't living for christ yeah i knew the feeling at that young age that came into my heart i knew that was god but at that that same point the, them years in between that i was living for i, w- I want to say this
1: and I could be wrong. I could, com- I could be completely dead wrong, and not have any inkling of what I'm talking about. But I-, I feel like, I feel like it's just this is the way it is. At a young age, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, like I said, age of accountability. Some kids mature quicker than others. Some understand quicker than others at an earlier age than some, and I get that. And even here at our church, we've had some, had a lot, you know, several kids that came through and confessed to Lord Jesus and repented of their sins. Here, here's my thought process behind that. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say that they uh, are saved as much as God laid a foundation for future use. You said I'm getting that, Brother Cobb. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what He's done with me. That's what He's done with you, because. Oh, you have to forgive me. Help me, more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because I got what I thought was saved at a young age, and I got baptized, but I didn't stay in the will of God. I didn't, I don't, I don't believe, I under, completely understood what the will of God was. And I went through many years of a lot of bad things a lot of sinful living but i knew who god was and he brought me back to him he reminded me of who i uh, who i was in him and i think for us to tell a child that they're they're saved and everything is is okay and they have eternal salvation is not necessarily true i don't think it's true at all And if we're not going to tell them the truth, then we're leading them astray. If they they died, I believe if they died as a child, God forbid, then yeah, I believe they would go to heaven. But in the years to come, if they're going to rely on that that one night at Bible school that they were saved and they're baptized, not fully understanding what it meant, then how can they truly be saved? When they're eighteen, nineteen year old, and they went through this life of sin, and they they die, were
0: they truly saved? Well, I guess you ask. You ask. You can't go without asking the question. What are they saved from? And I mean, at that like you was getting at, at that young of age. I mean, really, what are your sins? You may tell a lie. You may tell, you know, like you said, steal somebody's pencil at school. But have they really seen graphed, the root of sin? Have they
1: grasped the concept of what they're doing? Like I said, I believe with all my heart. It's just God laying the foundation for a future time.
0: Right, and I believe, you know, at this given point, if they were to die, they would go to heaven. God says that all children are His to claim. And like you said, until they reach that true age of accountability the, the foundation has been laid and it's kind of up to them okay which path are you going to choose are you going to choose god or the world and once you, you know it it takes different ages and, and consent to maturity for each and every one of us but i feel like that is god's power working right there like you said he laid a foundation 20 years ago mm-hmm. for myself yep I was going to church, we was in church every time the door opened, and the devil creeped in. In the church, he creeped in in my family, and it was a war, and I wasn't prepared for it. I went down the path of destruction, even questioning God, which I feel like everybody does at one point in their life, they question the belief of God. But I did never deny Him. Every time he knocked at my heart, I seeked his face. And every time I seeked his face, I'll backslide. But I never give up. And I think that's the key to it, is the sanctification process. Is but just, that,
1: that's the power of God. Exactly. He lays the foundation in your heart
0: at a young age. And, and you really don't even understand what you it don't, is. You don't
1: understand what it is, but you know who you know who he is. You confess that you know who he is and and i believe he does that god forgive me if i'm wrong but i believe he does that because you're fixing as you get older you're going to go through some things trials and tribulations you're going to go through some trials and tribulations it may be a couple years it may be 10 years it may be 15 years but eventually he's going to call he's going to call you back he's going to bring you back into the fold the Bible says, will he not leave the 99 and go search for the one? That's right. It doesn't say when he's going to search, but he's going to search. He's going to bring you back to the family. And when he does, he's going to take you, and he's going to use you, and he's, he's, he's got plans for you. And you have to understand that. You have to understand how great his power is and how wonderful he, uh, wonderful God he really is and how he's going to take you and use you and bless you but i just i I just i can't support the fact that as a young child you're getting saved it's just foundation
0: well i look at it like this and you can relate you've got a son of your own and he's going to mess up he's going to do things and you're gonna tell him to you're blue in the face of what he needs to do. He messed up yesterday, you wanna be honest about well, it. They mess up every day, I can testify that. Oh, I just took everything out of his room. Well, <laughs> my point is you, you, you tell them what you're gonna do if they disobey, they still do it anyway. That's human nature to rebel, that is the flesh. And at a young age, that you accept Christ in your heart, I think it's more out of fear of not going to hell than an understanding of what God, God truly or who God truly is and what He's truly done. So you can't really appreciate it. It's it's almost like you know, I this just come to my mind.
1: There was a guy ahead. I worked with, and I witnessed to him all the time. And uh, I, he told me he was gonna go to church today, mm-hmm. and I I. I I hope and pray he he did go to church, cause I've been praying for him and praying for his situation. But when I first started witnessing to him, he he had a foundation in his life as he was growing up, like we've been talking about. So he knew who God was, but he he's got he recently in the past years got to the point in his life that he um he began to question some things. Mm-hmm. You know, and throw some questions at me that I, I guess that in the devil's mind that, with God's help, i, I mean, will. The devil thought I wasn't gonna be able to answer, have an answer to, but with God's help, I was able to answer those things. But he hit me with a question. You know, what if all this is for naught? What if it turns out to be nothing?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I gave him the, the simple answer. I can't. I, I can't afford not to. Because okay yeah let's 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 consider that let's Let's dismiss
0: god period
1: let's let's say this this is all for naught and that hell isn't real and all this all that we have is this
0: world and everything that's happened is just coincidence
1: exactly but let's say god is real and hell is real i can't afford to take that chance
0: no nobody can really
1: i can't afford to live my life and think it's all for naught, and then at the end realize that it wasn't, and burn in hell.
0: Well, what kind of life is that? You know, we we touched on it last podcast. There's no hope. If you don't believe in in the gospel and Jesus and God, there's no hope.
1: That's a hopeless generation right now.
0: It is, and that's why a lot of people nowadays are turning to drugs, they're turning to uh, political leaders, they're turning to uh, news channels for answers, when see, the answer's been here. Well,
1: here, here's the crazy thing is, and just like me and you were talking, you called me on the way to church this, this tonight. We we're, we're talking about one particular assembly. I will not even call it a church. I think that's giving it too much credit. That all they're doing is patting them on back and scratching them behind the ears and everything's gonna be okay. And that's not true. Everything's not gonna be okay. If you're, if you're not following what God have you to do and you're not living according to God's will, then you are a worker of iniquity. You're not bearing the fruits of the Spirit. You're going to be cut off and thrown to the fire. Depart, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. There's going to be thousands, millions. millions of Christians of so-called Christians slot off the pew into the pit of hell. And the preacher's standing in the pulpit preaching this Garbage, so-called watered-down gospel. The blood's yeah, going to be on waters. their hands. It's going to be on their hands, and God's not going to give these so-called Christians a, a pass because the 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 so-called preacher play the dumb card. Yeah, play, well, we didn't know. Well, the Bible tells us that we're to we're to test what we hear against the Word of God, yeah. and if it don't line up, then we need to be doing something about it.
0: Yeah, make a move.
1: Yeah like hey look brother you ain't, you're you not preaching you're not preaching the truth but nobody's doing that everybody's like oh okay yeah we're fine we're doing good
0: but meanwhile they're out here living in hell well since we touched on the subject I'll speak from personal experience uh, I'm not going to mention any names I'm not going to mention who it was but you know I'd been wanting to join the church a church and I wasn't sure about it because it felt right on the surface, but at the core of things, I was still uncertain. I mean, God's not a god of confusion. No, sir. He he is for certain, and that's why I trusted in him, you know, okay, I'm going to give this to God. If he if he wants me to do, you know, if this is in his will or out of his will, I'm I'm okay with it either way. And I prayed and prayed and, and went months without joining, you know, and it was burning desire for me to join the church, to have a home to come to and worship and brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, just gain spiritual strength. I believe with all my heart God sent me up there
1: to get you, to take you out of that, and to that's, let you know.
0: And that's what I was getting at is it was funny because I was praying and Brother Andy here was not, you Know, we wasn't communicating every day. I mean, we might have talked once every two weeks. Yep, and just he, you know, and I'd asked, I'd invited him to come a couple of times, and this is probably two months later after the invitation, and he just randomly shows up.
1: I, I remember what I remember the, the Saturday before I was in my truck, me and my boy was coming back from town. We went, uh, I want to think, I think we went to Lowe's or something, we was coming back home, and out of nowhere. The Lord just spoke and said, I want you to go up to that church in the morning. And I remember asking God, I was like, Why well, I don't know where you want me to go up there. Like, I don't want to go. And where, you, where have here, you been? Here we go. Here we go. The story of Jonah. Lord, I don't, yeah. I don't want to go. Like, yeah. why in the world do I want to go up there? Like, I already know what they're preaching. Like, I don't want nothing to do it. He's like, go. I, I, I want you to go. Okay. So. But where
0: have you been in this whole time frame in the past whatever, how many years? Where have you been? Me? Yes. Sure. Uh, fighting the devil. Well, I'm saying as far as the church. Had you been in church and no. you'd been a member?
1: I had, I had not. I'd only darkened one church door in two and a half years. Now, listen. Some of y'all are going to hear that and be like, what in the world? I was born again, saved by the grace of God. But I was having a fight with the churches in the area where we live. Right, there are few and far between churches that agree. truly preach the gospel and truly follow the word of God.
0: And, and it's it's biblical for us to have a have a discernment about what I didn't, we're putting our trust in. At
1: that time, I did not trust any churches. I didn't want anything to do with them because I felt like they were leading a lot of people astray. And right. these new age churches were popping up dime a dozen, trying to hit these cool hip hop names on the sign and you know more of
0: a concert than a yeah, worship
1: a, a concert slash donut shop and I'm like God ain't in it like it ain't happening Like I I, I was preaching against it and I, wasn't, I didn't have, hadn't even announce my call to preach yet I was preaching against it I was telling everybody about it I was preaching what I thought was right these churches are sending people to hell sure enough that Saturday when God spoke to me told me to go up there I was like no I don't want to go Lord, I ain't going up there. I don't want nothing to do with them folks. Go. Yes, sir. So that Sunday morning, I got up and my wife looked at me and was like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to church. <laughs> She's like, okay. You know, that was very odd and strange for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I Walked in there. Stop, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah, i would worked with Randy previously, been around him, you know, five, six days a week. Got a good feel for the guy of how he acts on a normal daily basis. Well, I come in there, or I should say he comes in there and I just sense something odd about it and I, it kind of made me feel uncomfortable because he looked so uncomfortable. And I was just like, man, I really hope this ain't it. I hope he can start coming here. He, We can both go to church here. I really prayed that and wanted that for both of us and continue on. Well, I walked in the door
1: and the first thing I seen looked like a a janky Starbucks. Pastries everywhere, coffee being slung around up there, and I was like, what is this? What is this garbage? And I felt like the devil met me at the door. Like the Spirit of God wasn't there. The only the Spirit of God was with me and that was about the only, I'm about the only one that had a God with him. So I make my way through the coffee shop and find the so called church. I get in there, sit down. Brother Nate seen me as I come through the doors and had a look on his face. You found me and come up here and sit next to me. Of course I found my way to the front.
0: Well, you know, and that was another thing weighing on my heart. I wanna go sit up front, you know, I have my friends and my family that I sit with, but I, I wanted to be up there in front because the church I was raised in the front you know you could tell a difference and sitting in the front and the back to me personally
1: well, honestly brother wouldn't have made no difference where you. well and that that's what before.
0: that's what i was getting at but it was, really don't matter Here was
1: a crazy thing i'm still arguing with god i'm like why why god why you got me here no. like, this doesn't make no sense and i'm yeah. like i'm talking I'm like my my inner dialogue and my mom was like what am i doing hardly anybody shook my hand they just stared at me, mm. had that look, they just gave me the look. And like, I could feel like a real negative, there was a real negative presence there. Like mm. they didn't want nothing to do with me. And the so-called pastor of the church even walked by me, looked at me and never, ever shook my hand, would not shake my hand. I've never been to a church for that nobody wanted to shake my hand
0: well, here's another thing. As I realized going there, and I've got a lot of friends that go to that church. I grew up with them for ten, twelve years. Played ball with them. Good people, you know. But like I mentioned before, good works is not going to get you to heaven. Yeah.
1: But their good works are just an extension of their own selfish greed.
0: Well. And another thing, you know, when I went there, I knew them and didn't even feel that welcomed or friendly because they all knew that I'd been out of church for years and I'd had my wild stage and partying and going astray. So I felt like an outcast from people I knew my whole life. But I, I can tell you this much. If the so-called
1: pastor gets up in the pulpit and he, all he does is basically read some scripture and uses three or four different versions of the Bible to read that scripture, and then uses other preachers' notes to back up the chapter that he read. We got some issues because there ain't no gospel being preached. There ain't no good news. There ain't no heaven sweet and hell hot going on. And there wasn't even an altar call. I don't was guess you invitation. can have an altar call if you ain't preaching no conviction on nobody. You you told me this earlier, and I had never really good thought about that. You said the whole entire time you was there, you'd never seen anybody saved.
0: No, and you know, the church we go to now, over the last month, I'm going to say, maybe not even that long, we've witnessed and been blessed to witness 22, 24 um, souls being saved. And like I was telling him, there was never an invitation when I attended there.
1: I've been going here, what, we've been been here, what, six, seven months?
0: Yeah, I would say. Uh, Going on seven. We started in January,
1: I think, so this church has doubled in size. It has in six months. Like it's almost even tonight's Service preacher James wasn't even wasn't even here. Him and his family were on vacation or whatever. But we still had fifty um, probably fifty people here on a Sunday night. The preacher ain't even here. I mean that says a lot for the church. Folks are coming out, but we. The thing is is. When well, we walk through this door, ain't nobody trying to pat us on the back and scratch us behind the ear. They're not trying to talk you up and preach everything's going to be okay. I don't think I've heard a sermon yet that that was a feel good. You know, everything's going to be all you right. You definitely
0: feel the spirit when you come in here, and we're very thankful for that here. But it was like Brother Nate was saying, there's a lot of people that's been here in the past that's not here. And, you know, I was testify to you, what I think it is is, is because conviction is preached on here
1: but but see that's the thing it should be preached at every church if you're if you're truly called of god to preach the word of god you should be preaching the conviction
0: not just the prosperity
1: yeah i mean you should be and I'll, i'll continue to say you should be preaching heaven sweet and hell hot because if you're not preaching that message if you're not letting the folks know hey you need to stop doing this we need to get right we need to be doing it the right way according to God if you're not preaching that message you're not preaching the conviction of God you're not preaching the power of God there are souls to be one and if you're not going to preach it the way it's wrote in the Bible you're not going to preach the Word of God then you shouldn't be up there you can't just get up there because
0: you feel like it well you know the Bible tells us that we're all preachers we're all called to preach the gospel yeah but to be a pastor a leader over a herd of sheep if you will you have to have God's anointing on it you're responsible their their blood is held on you when you're caught, when you're when you die and you go to heaven to answer for it you're going to be held accountable for that that church of people yep and if you don't grasp that reality, how can you get up there and just preach the good stuff and not warn people about the bad stuff and preach about sin and conviction? They're not telling people about hell. If you truly love somebody, do you not care if <coughs> they're going to go to hell in their, if they die in their sins?
1: Well, I think the main thing is is we've got churches full of people that act one way on, on Sunday mm-hmm. and act a different way through the week. mm Again, back to the fruits of the spirit. If you're not living the way you're supposed to be living, and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you're not you're not growing the fruits. You're not growing in Christ. Then you're going to be purged from the vine. Like I I can't I can't say that enough. And the churches that we have today, all across the United States, around the world, we're they're, the churches are leading the great fall away that the Bible talks about. There's gonna be a big falling away. People to stop going.
0: That's happening now.
1: It's happening right now. And the churches are, are doing it. They're leading them away. Oh, it's okay. It's, you, you're you fine. You'll be all right, you know. Just keep doing what you're doing. You know, you're 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 saved years ago, it'll be all right. No, it won't be all right. It can't be all right. And even then, if you're out here living like the world, if the world can't tell you, can't look at you and and see any difference in you, and think that you're one of theirs, then something ain't right. I'm going to have to question your salvation.
0: Well, God tells us you can't love Him and love the world too.
1: No, you can't. You can't serve God and mammon. Period. Period. You you can't straddle a fence on that. You either neither hot nor cold but lukewarm i'll spit out of my mouth that's right. period
0: i'm glad you said it because that's what i was getting to is lukewarmness people think it's okay to be lukewarm be on the fence and that's going to send you to hell quicker than anything that'll that'll send you to hell probably just as quick if not quicker than being a non-believer yeah
1: i yeah i mean i heard all preachers say one time you ever drank lukewarm water it's nasty Are you you really do want to spit it out like it's like ugh." And I I think that's how God looks at it. And like I I said before, we need to be preaching the truth. We can't stand in here and say that God loves everybody and that that everything is going to be... God does not love
0: everybody. Well, we see now, what bugs me the most is we see now that the LGBT community is... They pinpointed that preacher. they They pinpointed that preacher, but we see... The Southern Baptist community taking their side and now everybody's getting confused well we shouldn't hate them we shouldn't you know nobody's hating nobody we hate the sin okay if we hate anything
1: well here's a the Bible tells us we're where to, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves okay so our job on this and on this earth is we're to love everybody it's not our job to hate them we're to show them the love of God in an effort to witness to them, and bring them to God. But God hates that. God hates the sin that they're living in. They're workers of iniquity, so God hates them. They're reprobates. We, we have to say, we have to call it like it is and stop toe-dancing the line on this deal. God does not love everybody, period.
0: Political correctness.
1: If they're living in sin, and homosexuality is running rampant right now.
0: I mean, and they got- claim that God still loves them. So, what what would you say to that? What do you say to that? No. No, we don't. Oh well, then you're not a you're not a true Christian.
1: No, sir, you're dying and going to hell. That's the way it is. Okay, all right. Think about it like this: If God loved everybody, loved everybody.
0: Which was his intention before sin. Yeah. And Adam and Eve.
1: Then he wouldn't send
0: nobody to hell. But we are evil. Our flesh is evil.
1: Well, the, the Bible says that, Well, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Exactly. He loved the world. But the people... No. Workers of iniquity. He loved the world so much that he gave them a way out. Yeah. I think that, I think that's what needs to be preached.
0: And I think we get that love confused with being nice and not offensive and politically correct. That's, that's the problem. We have changed love and tried to make it politically correct no, we, we've, take, we've
1: taken the Christians, uh, the so-called Christians have taken the word love and, and say it's supposed, to, it means we're supposed to be accepting and open to all the world views. Wrong. Period. Just because we, we're we supposed to show people love don't mean we have to put up with their junk. I mean, we've got churches now in the United States that uh, have homosexual uh, pastors
0: no we've got the Queen James Bible now
1: yeah I don't care where the Bible came from all I know is the Bible we got is uh, the Word of God period the the literal Word of God translated from the old uh, Hebrew and Greek don't get me even started on that because I'll I'll be preaching for an hour but the whole point of the matter is is uh, we started out the power of God God's power is unlimited in all aspects he doesn't love everybody, and if you're a, if you're if you're living in sin and you're part of this world, you're a worker of iniquity, and according to Psalms 5:5, 5, 5, God hates workers of iniquity. That needs to be preached, and there's a place there's places for the workers of iniquity, and it's hell, and the truth needs to start
0: being told. So let's wrap it up. Um... What we have to keep in mind is to seek the Lord in His strength and to seek His face continuously, because God gives us a spirit of strength and power. John chapter eight verse twelve tells us Jesus is the light of the world, and we can hold on to His promises and be confident that He'll use us, His followers, through even the darkest of days. And as we learn in Second Timothy chapter one verse seven, through faith in Christ, we are given a spirit of power, love. And discipline and for that reason we have nothing to fear we pray that this podcast about God's power is what you needed to hear today God is all powerful and as Christians we don't need to understand it as much as we need to believe it and live with that faith that God through God all things are possible brother Randy if you don't care to end us in prayer
1: Dear most kind and gracious Heavenly Father I just want to thank you for this wonderful time we was able to sit here and discuss your holy and precious word and, Father, I pray that it fall on the ears of, of somebody that just needs to hear it and understand it. Lord, I, I pray that you just open the hearts of those that are listening to this cast. Father, I pray that you just just touch somebody and bless somebody with it. Lord, we ask that you continue to, to be with each and every one of your children, Lord, and just help them through any, any time of, uh, of trial and tribulation they're going through. I pray that uh, you just give them the strength and the courage to face all that lies ahead. Lord, I ask that you just continue to, to strengthen us as we move forward. Just help us to, to preach your word, Father, and to stand on the truth of your word and hold it close to our heart, Lord, and, and know that no matter what the world thinks or the world says, Lord, that you're with us. And if you be for us, Lord, then who can be against us? And, Father, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise for it all. For it's in Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm gonna ask you a question. I want, and, you know, whatever. Do you do you believe once saved always saved? Absolutely. Do you? Yep. I want you to show me. I want you to
2: show me in the Bible the verses to back that up. There's and and I'm not the best at uh, giving you the exact verse, but when it talks about no man can pluck you out, that's correct. And then the only way that you'll be taken out of the, the book of life is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So once you give your life to the Lord and you're saved, mm-hmm. how do you become unsaved? You don't. Well, the the
1: New Testament's full of
2: Jesus' parables, but
1: more distinctly, if you looked at John chapter 15, the first three verses there, it talks about um, Jesus is the vine and God is the husbandman that, you know, basically a husbandman is... Somebody that, you know, clips and pairs the vine and, you know, in an effort to help the vine and the branches of the vine grow. Um, explain to me then why that Jesus in multiple parables talks about uh, if you're not producing the fruits of the Spirit, then you'll be you'll be cut from
2: the vine and cast into the fire. Do you believe once you've been saved, why would why would you not produce fruits of the spirit? Well, see that that that's where
1: my interpretation of the word of God. I don't particularly believe once saved always saved. I have I, just I've not found it in in the Scripture. Yes, I believe that no man can pluck you from the hand of God, but you yourself, based on free will, can fall away. That you can backslide to the point that you're turned over to a, a reprobate mind. And, and once you stop producing those fruits of the Spirit then you're going to be purged from the vine of Jesus Christ. Because if you look at Hebrews chapter 6 it talks about that heavenly gift that once you've received, you, can, you can't crucify Christ afresh, you can't crucify Him a second time. Once you've received, a, a, a tasted of the heavenly gift of salvation, you know, how would you crucify Christ a second time, so to speak, if, if you can't lose your salvation to begin with?
2: You wouldn't crucify him a second time. He, he died one time to pay for the world's sins. Alright, so if you're,
1: in the, if you're in Jesus Christ, you're part of the vine, in other words, we're grafted in because we're Gentiles, we're grafted into the vine of Jesus Christ. If we're grafted in, then why would God cut us away and cast us into the fire?
2: He wouldn't. That's why you don't lose your salvation. But uh and if you chose "quote unquote to give it up did you ever get it to give up or did you just put on a show so to speak
1: well no i mean i to that's be. something
2: only you and the lord yeah i mean only god knows each and every person's heart salvation is a gift from god it's not even it's not yours to lose
1: well my my question is and i'm not saying i'm i'm right i'm not saying you know but when jesus is talking about you know cutting people off the vine and casting them into the fire well, why is he doing that then if you're not producing the fruits of the spirit in other words you've tasted of the heavenly gift you know what salvation is you've you've come to know who jesus christ is if he's if he's cutting you off the vine and casting you into the fire then evidently you're you're not doing something right. The fruits of the spirit aren't there. You're not walking according to God's will and word.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's just like as far as casting you down. That's not something the Lord does. The Lord doesn't choose who's going to hell and who's not. If you go to hell, you send yourself to hell. It's, so that would lead me to okay. So here's a
1: here here's another thing. If if God loves everybody, then He wouldn't send anybody to hell. He doesn't. They well, send themselves to I hell. I mean by to not the, To the to the extent of there is a hell, he's gonna he's gonna cast those into hell.
2: That's the thing, he doesn't he doesn't send anybody to hell. People send themselves to hell by choosing not to accept well, the gift of ex- salvation. Exactly.
1: But as far as
2: people saying that God loves everybody, God does love everybody. I believe that. I know that.
1: I don't believe God loves everybody. Psalms 5 5 says, God hates workers of iniquity. So if you're not in God and you're not his child, because workers of iniquity have made a choice. Well, they have been a choice, but I'm saying that's what I'm saying is, as a worker of iniquity, unsaved person, if you're unsaved, you're not, haven't received the salvation of Jesus Christ, you haven't confessed Jesus and believe He rose on the third day, then you're simply, you're a worker of iniquity, you're not part of that right. family. God hates worker workers of iniquity. If you read on into Psalm six, it tells him that hates them every day. It's not it's not just a short hate. It, it he he hates them. Now, if God loves everybody, in other words, if he loves the...
2: He just don't love what everybody does. Well, here's
1: the thing. If he loves everybody, if he loves the sinners and the saints, Romans chapter 8, at the end, the last two verses says, I am persuaded that basically nothing can separate me from the love of God, then he wouldn't cast you into hell. Because that means separating him. Separating you from Him and His love, so I won't preach that. I won't preach God loves everybody because if He truly loved everybody, then He couldn't send them to hell because that would be going against His word.
2: But but there is where you're missing it, is He won't send you to hell. Well, I, yeah, but you said I'm saying like there there wouldn't be a need for hell because that's, that's kind of like the homosexuals out there oh goodness do i believe god loves them i do believe god loves them just not what they do and i've had this this discussion many times with many different people yeah uh because their question is well if god loves me then why would he send me to hell he will not send you to hell you send yourself to hell and if you are I, i of course we can't judge yeah but you know, I, I have I have a family member that is openly a homosexual. He will tell you he is a openly a homosexual. Yeah. And I tell him, if you don't fix it, change the way you're doing, you'll go to hell. Yeah. Of course, the first thing I hear is, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm telling you what the Word says. Well, if you read on
1: into the Bible, it's not that we can't judge somebody, it's that we shouldn't be trying to judge people when we got that same kind of sin in our life. Now, obviously, we don't have the sin of homosexuality right. in our life. Amen. So, if we see somebody in a homosexual nature and they're gonna be open and flamboyant about it, the Bible doesn't say we can't say nothing to them. We can't be a, you know, how judge that particular sin because right. it says We need to pull the beam out of our eyes so we can help see pull the splinter out of theirs. Well, if I'm not, I don't have that sin in my life. If I run into somebody that's a common thief and he's been locked up in jail multiple times for being a thief, that particular sin, I'm not a thief. I'm not stealing anything. So, to some degree, I can judge based on that particular sin. So, in the case of homosexuality, then, well, they're like, oh, well, don't judge me. Well, yeah, I can because... I don't have, I'm not dealing with that sin in my life. I don't have that beam in my eye that I can't help you pull the splinter out of yours over that particular sin. Well, see, so. and that's,
2: that's, I guess that's what I say is I'm not judging you at by no means. Yeah. I'm telling you what the word says and I can show it to you in the word, you know, it's a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit basically. Yeah. You know, I, and, and, and of course the one I, I argument. Mean, I think
1: homosexuality is a slap to God's face. It is. I mean, that's probably, and I know there's a lot of sin. There's a lot of things out there that, you know, God's not happy with. But I feel like that's the one sin that's just like, you know, just like open hand smack to the face. Like
2: It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, I mean, that's all you have really to do is is, is just read, open the, open the book, look in Genesis. I mean, but, God created.
1: You know, the biggest hang up most people have, though, and they're like, oh, well, don't judge me or, you know, and. It's not you're, like you said. It's not that we're judging, but it's, it's what the Word of God says. It's and like just like it says, the Word of God is sharper, quicker, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's gonna hurt. It should hurt. If it doesn't hurt, then something's wrong somewhere. I've
2: always said, if you know a lot of a lot of people will sit in church and and they'll complain about the preaching or whatever, you know, they're stepping on your toes. Well, if my toes are in the aisle, they need to be stepped on. Well, there's, no,
1: there's not. Let's just be honest. First time I preached here, I've not been asked to preach. I've not been asked to teach. They've not said anything to me. I, I'll be honest. And I've had. I had. I won't name any names, but I had one person come up to me and ask me why I hadn't been back up there, and I said I don't know. And he said, "I'll tell you why. It's because you stepped on too many toes when you got up there." But I don't care about that. I don't care that I stepped on people's toes because that was a message that God laid on my heart. He had me preach. And I already had, like I told you, I had a whole another message thought up and planned. And literally that afternoon before I preached, God changed it. He right. said, I don't want, I don't, well, you wait on that. I want you to talk about this. I want you to preach on this.
2: And, that, and that's the thing, you know, Nikki and I went to, fundamental independent church um, for a few years and there was I can remember nights when it was just the preacher and his family and our family and that was it you know and and a lot of people don't like
1: like, I'm an independent fundamental Baptist and they
2: don't like what they hear Mm -mm. but it's just you know I've had I've had the whole conversation here you know if you can't do King James only, then I have no use of being here because that—that's—that's that's my conviction.
1: Well, I don't—I don't see our preacher ever preaching out anything. No, no, no,
2: no. I mean, I've just had the in in Sunday school. I've had the conversation because there's, you know, there was a person or two that had a NIV, A non-inspired right. version, <laughs> and and that's what it is, oh. you know, because if if it's so hard to do the K. The KJV, why are you doing the NIV? What do you think they modeled the the NIV after? They tried to get...
1: Did you know there's some, roughly some 33 verses... I
2: got the list at home.
1: ...that they took out of or the King changed. James... ...and took verses out and put it in footnotes that had the name Jesus in it. I've got it all in... The- Let me ask you a question. Do you think, and from the time that the original manuscripts were wrote in the Hebrew and the Greek, and then... God blessed us finally with the English translation, the King James Version. Right. Do you think God has asked mankind to help simplify His Word?
2: No, and and the thing is, that's what people use. They say that the, the KJV is harder to understand. It's on like a ninth grade reading level, I believe.
1: But the devil used that to get his foot in the door of the churches.
2: It's just like... And, and a lot of people don't like when I talk about the uh, non-denominational. Number one, non-denominational church is a denomination.
1: You know, what non-denominational is—it's a Baptist
2: trying to be different. And and that, that <laughs> and that's that's my argument. You know, it's basically this church is taking a, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit all just to make it what they want. You know, to bring all these people in. But you can't. Do I think Baptists are the only ones? Right? Absolutely. No. I feel like they are. But, are Baptists the only one that's going to be in heaven? No. I don't. I I guess in my mind, if I didn't feel like...
1: I'll give a perfect example. Me me and you were standing here talking about once saved, always saved. You believe once saved, always saved. I believe different than that. Does that make me and you enemies? No. No. Does that mean that neither one of us are going to heaven? No. I mean, it doesn't mean that we're not going to heaven. Does it does it change the fact that that we should we should get out here and witness to folks and spread the gospel? No, we should still continue to do that. Just because we uh, see the Bible different in a couple point, points of view, the ultimate goal is still to win souls for Christ. the The ultimate goal is to live our lives according to God's will and shine the light of Jesus Christ to each and every person that that we meet. Just because we we understand certain parts of the Bible different doesn't mean make any difference that we can't be fellowship of brothers and, right. and, and brothers in Christ that's the problem with 95% of the churches in the area they they've found something to disagree over and want to move down the road three miles and start a new church over it
2: why when when our preacher left at Liberty Baptist fundamental independent Baptist Church he was a very strong preacher uh, Duke Stratton's his name when he left I told Nikki, I said, I feel like we need to hang on. There was only us and one other family there. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't feel like we need to just give up. Yeah. So we went out, you know, looking, trying out, you know, different preachers. And now the church has blossomed. They're yeah. doing great, you know. But the biggest fight I've had argument i should say i've had with most people is the bible which one to use and it just drives me nuts because i took a job in kentucky one time and we moved up there and that's why we couldn't find settle in the church yeah. we just went to everyone was niv and the last one the one we went to the longest i you know i had a meeting with the deacon board and i told him i said you know before i even get started i said don't do it for me don't do it for my family do it because it's the right thing to do. I mm-hmm. said, but if you can't preach King James only, then my family and I we're going somewhere else.
1: Well, see, that's just that's a message the devil has used, uh, I guess, in the, in the today's churches and it's been he's done it for years. That's his I guess that's his biggest weapon if you really want to think about it. It's putting that thought in somebody's mind. And it only took one person to say it one time. Well, I'm having trouble with that. I'm having trouble with that addition. Let me, there's got to be an it. Study. Yeah. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. In the book of James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God, who, who gives liberally, unbraideth not. Like he, he, he'll give you the knowledge and the wisdom. And like I said up there at, that night, I said, it, it, if you're not studying the King James Version, if you can't understand the these and the thous, then you probably can't understand the commandments either. You're probably not following the commandment. I mean, just be honest about it.
2: Or right? read them. Look. Yeah,
1: I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, like it. That's an excuse. That's an excuse. All to, is. You know what it is? It's laziness. It really is. It's What boils down to it? You're just being lazy on God. Like, right. You're looking for somebody that's took the easy way out. Let me rewrite this so it'd be easier for everybody to understand.
2: And if you if you do your homework and look at the people who wrote the NIV, <laughs> the the board that approved it. There's two homosexuals on the board yes, that it. Yes. Nowhere in the Bible will it talk about homosexuals in the NIV. You know what makes me the maddest about the NIV? Is that
1: the people that use the NIV, for one, don't know that the NIV is so mistranslated. They want they they claim up and down that they've used some three thousand different texts and literatures they found, you know, after the fact. I think that's a bummer hogwash yeah. but the, the second thing is is the niv calls lucifer and jesus the same person and that's why so in the old testament and i think it's in the book of isaiah don't quote me 100 on that i'm pretty sure it is isaiah it's it talks about satan in the king James version that calls him oh something to the extent of oh how you have fallen oh uh son of the morning star in other words a son of heaven which had been lucifer he was a fallen angel son of heaven so in the book of revelation it calls jesus um the morning star because he is the morning star well in the niv In the Old Testament, Isaiah, I believe, it it calls Lucifer the morning star. And then turn around and calls Jesus the morning star. So they're basically saying that
2: Lucifer and Jesus... And the NIV says that they're the same person. Right. How can that be? It can't can't be. But but you can't can't get people to understand. If you're
1: a true born-again Christian, how are you able to sit and hold that Bible in your hands?
2: You know what we done when we went to Liberty? When... There would be an NIV, somebody would leave behind, or... Burn it? We threw it in the garbage. Because that's what it was. It was garbage. Yeah. You know, of course, people who's not used to it see so you throwing the Bible in the garbage, they're like, what? We it's not a Bible
1: to me. The company I worked for, we was doing a cleanup in a in a house, and honestly, it was a crack house. And they called us to come clean it up. And we were down in the little basement part there, and uh, it was a mess. There's junk everywhere. And we were cleaning up in there, and uh, the guy... Works with me, he handed me the, the, this Bible and he was like, here, you know, he's like, here's a Bible, and I flipped it over and the, fir- the first thing I always do when somebody hands me a Bible is I turn and look at the spine and see what it see says. what it is. And it said NIV, and I literally turned around and threw it right in the trash bag he was holding. He was like, and he looked at me and he's like, was it NIV? And I was like, yep. He's like, yeah, I trash, and I'm like took it out. That's what it is. Like it's trash, and and it's not just the NIV. It's the CSB, the HCSB, and the other 50,000. The thousand, new
2: King James.
1: The new King James is just as bad. I know. And don't even get me started on this 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 latest version called The Message. Oh, my goodness. Babe, it's, it's so bad that you've even got the Christian comedians making jokes on it. I don't yeah. know if you've ever watched Tim Hawkins.
2: I've heard the name, but I've not seen it.
1: Hilarious. Him. Great Christian st- co- comedian. And uh, he, he's even got some jokes about it and talks about uh, his jokes. We're talking about uh, the Message Bible probably says something to the extent of Twinkies and Ho-Hos. And like, it's, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And he's right. It's so twisted up. Like, it's, it's not even funny. But I've been to churches in this area that the preacher up in the pulpit, Reference the Message Bible in the NIV Bible. And I'm and
2: I'm sitting there thinking. I've been to churches where preachers preach directly out of the NIV Bible.
1: Like, oh my goodness. Like, So here's my thing. So if you've got a preacher preaching out of the NIV, and there are not only preachers but pastors of churches preaching out of the NIV, and it's a distorted message. It's not the same message that the King James Version right. has in it. Then he's leading people astray because the message is twisted and wrong. Right. It doesn't have the power that can. This is Noah, and I wish you'd have been here when I preached that night. I was driving down the road. I mean, I didn't have it. I didn't have stereo on. I didn't have nothing on. I was going to pick up my boy from grandparents' house. Coming through the the back roads at Churchill. It's quiet out of nowhere. I heard a voice. Just that still small voice in my mind. And it and it said, Do you know why Satan hates the King James Version so much? I was like, no. I really don't know why he hates it so much.
2: Because it's literally the true word of God. It frowns upon what he's trying to it uplift. It
1: holds it holds More power and more strength. Just as much power and as much strength as the original manuscripts do. But more power and more strength than any other version that's out there. And I've compared them. I've got a Bible at home that's literally Hebrew and Greek. It's not even been translated into English. And I've opened it and compared verse by verse, line by line, according to the King James Bible. And the King James Bible... Is literally an English translation of exactly what the manuscript says. Well, said. and
2: and and I was going to say most of the people who want to fuss about the NIV will tell you it's not even the oldest Bible. What about the you know the original well, Bible the 1611. was sixteen eleven was in Hebrew. I said I understand that, but can you read Hebrew? Because I can't. I said, but I can tell you this is the oldest, closest version there is. Well, that's that the, we can. That's read. the
1: argument I get. Well, that that's not even the original. Well, no, the original sixteen eleven. Still reads the same, but there was some mis- misspelled words. If you've ever seen a sixteen eleven, there's a lot of e's at the end of the words. Yeah. The, the old old you know English, and they're like, oh well, your Bible's revised too. I'm like, yeah, you know it it was. I won't deny that. And the, and the 1700s, but it didn't
2: take anything away.
1: Yeah, they didn't add. They didn't take verses out of it or add verses to it. They didn't even try to. They didn't try to simplify it. They just corrected some misspellings. And just right. reordered it, like you know, like it didn't, you know, it didn't change Nothing, the Bible. Nothing's
2: per se changed.
1: Yeah, it's still this. If you have a sixteen eleven and hold it up, I think seventeen fifty four is when they done that. If you compare the two, they're exactly the same. Right. Instead of book having the word book having an e on the end of it, it's just b o o k. Like they, right? You know, that's what, that's what they took out
2: of it. They'd never read the King James king james version if if they seen the very first one because they couldn't read it oh yeah oh my goodness yeah they would really have a heart attack then but, but i will say this i want i want to say one thing while we were talking about salvation yeah do you if you believe you can lose your salvation i just want to say who would ever get to heaven because none of us are good enough well, even, no. even when you're saved yeah we all sin we die daily And if you could lose it, how in creation would we ever get in? Because there's not a day goes by.
1: Well, it says none righteous, no, not one. But I I honestly feel like if you're not, and I'm not saying that any of us, I'm not perfect. Lord have mercy. I'm far from perfect. Yeah, none of us. I, I don't even deserve to be here today, to be honest about it. But you strive to produce the fruits of the Spirit. The, I, I, the best example I can give is there's a, a parable Jesus gives about um, the master, the Lord, had three servants. And the first servant, he gave five talents. The second servant, he gave two. And the, the last servant, he gave one. And they and they took those talents, that gift, and they the first one increased it, made ten out of it. The second one increased the two and made, I think, five or whatever. And then the last one took and buried it, hid it. When the master came back, the first one showed that he had doubled it and well done, my good and faithful servant. Second one, same thing, well done my good and faithful servant. And the third one basically said, you fool, I gave you this. Why didn't you, you know, put it to use and, and and increase it. And he took it away from him and cast him into outer darkness.
2: to cast a servant away. Well, my aunt, I have an aunt, she, she believes you can lose your salvation. And I said, the, here's the, the, the big picture to me, you know. Am I saying you'll go to heaven? Or won't go to heaven? No, I'm not saying that. You know, we can be in heaven together. But the difference is, you're going to make life darn near impossible to live because everything you do you're you know you're going to think you know well i've just seen i lost my salvation you know and i'm not saying that mine's going to be so easy because i have to i have to repent daily you know even if it's something as simple as as getting getting upset you know working in a in a factory and manufacturing (laughs) you know that happens you know
1: often you should meet my boss
2: Uh, As a supervisor, that happens. I, I, it drives me nuts. But I have to pray daily. Lord, be with me today. Give me a good, safe, healthy day, and help me to not get frustrated. I
1: don't. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. You know, just like that. You know, something that just God just jerks away from you. I feel like
2: if if you if. Mm-hmm. There has
1: to be some backsliding involved. Like God's reached out to you, you know, several times trying to bring you back
2: to the, the flock, the fold. And if you, you know, well, on that, I can tell you this. I was saved and I've always, you know, no, it doesn't matter the age, but I was saved. I was young. Mm-hmm. I was nine. And there's times, you know, I think, wow, it would have been something if I'd have been saved a little older and have more of a. I mean, I can remember where, I can remember the preacher's name, I can remember in his office, mm-hmm. you know, me and a friend going to him. You know, I can remember it all. But, you know, you, you kind of wish sometimes you, you would have been a little older so you'd have a more vivid story to tell. But I guess I just think the backslidden part, I, you know, we've all done it. You know, well, I've I've turned my back on the Lord. I've seen I've seen people that I know without a
1: shadow of a doubt stand up and preach and and, and just felt the Holy Spirit on it, just seen the Spirit move. And and at that point in time, if you'd ask me about that person, you know they were saved. Like they that mean saved by the grace of God. There was no no right. doubts about it. And to watch that person. Fall from grace and get out in the world and just turn their back on everything that they knew and was a part of. And I know for a fact that one person in particular
2: is still living in the world. It's like he threw in the towel. And that's one of two things will happen. The Lord's going to draw, he'll draw him back in. Or did he ever get it? Now, don't get me wrong, you know there's there's people that can get up there and give you a message and you know if they study it enough, you know you're well convinced yeah um and i'm I'll never know you'll never know that's between them and God, but he'll either draw him back and he'll come back if he really got it or he never had it to begin with, and just brought a a a good message you know to raise some eyebrows
1: and see that's always been a question in my mind is well maybe maybe the fact is you don't really lose something you never had now i've I've thought about that you know because if they if they fell away from it did they ever really
2: have it to begin with right
1: you know and i've thought about that and i you know
2: and believe me you know getting saved at at a young age you know, I went out into the world, the older I got, you know, you're a teenager, you grow up, you're starting to grow up. I went out into the world and got away from church. You know, and and it would have been easy if, if people would have seen me out in the world, see, drinking, doing silly things me growing and, up. Me and Nathan was talking about this before. Um,
1: I think at a young age, and I, I'm, I believe with all my heart. Some some young kids do get saved. I believe that. Um, I can't say that everyone do. Like I said, I, we don't know their hearts. It's, heart. yeah, I don't it's know not their up heart. to us to decide. Um, but if nothing else, it, even if even if they they don't truly understand what they went for, God laid a foundation for the future. God set set something in their heart and their in their life
2: that. If they didn't really yeah, get it, sure. something will come along yeah, one sure day. Yeah, sure, they might they'll... have been
1: eight or nine years old right now. And they may have, you know, like the young man I led to Jesus. Do I 100%, 100% know he got saved? I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. You li- it, you'll he, never know. Did he repeat the prayer that I led him through? Yeah, he did. But for right now, at least I know the foundation's laid. God used me to set the foundation because I don't know what that man's going to go through in his life from the time, that I think he was a 10 or 11. From this point forward, hopefully what happened in his life here at this little church will have an impact on his life going forward. It'll
2: spark something when he's in so the position. Maybe
1: he's 18, 19, 20-year-old. That, that position in his life, his mind reverts back and says, you
2: know what? And I, it will. I know And that's someone. the thing. Especially if the if the Lord got a hold of him just for that little bit of time. He'll grow up and he'll go through life, and I'm sure he'll do things that's not pleasing to God. But there'll come a time when he does some of that stuff growing up that he's going to know. Yeah. know. I I can't say... Growing up, he may never come does.
1: back. He may never come back in the church. He may never never darken another church door the rest of his life. Then again, he may stay in church the rest of his he, life. He may be the
2: one of the best he, preachers you ever seen twenty it, years from now. Exactly. But I can tell you, you know, I got out in the world growing up, thinking, you know, this is, this is fun with all my friends. Um, and this is <laughs> this is terrible to say, but. I got in some trouble drinking and driving, doing things that I shouldn't. I knew yeah. that I shouldn't be doing it. And I will tell you what, I sit down there for those two days, two nights in the county. And that that first night, a gospel group came in. Mm-hmm. And I said, "I hear you, Lord. This is not where I'm supposed to be."
1: Yep.
2: And and the the preacher was going around talking to people, and he me and him locked eyes, and he came towards me, and I said, "Just stop." I said, yes, absolutely, I'm saved. Does it appear that way? No, it sure doesn't. I said, but I guarantee you, you'll never see me in here again. And I asked the Lord to forgive me. Yeah. You know, I'm just blessed that he gave me that opportunity versus get me killed in in an accident or or kill somebody, you know, so yeah, people will get out in the world. I I believe that, not everybody. Let me ask you this. At what point do you think
1: God will eventually say, I've tried to get you to come back. I've tried to call you back to the flock. You're not responding. At what point do you think God said enough is enough?
2: Well, none of us can answer that, but I do think He'll take you out before it gets too far gone. But now, it also says you'll answer for... For oh, yeah. Your sins. And I'm, I mean, that's already a dreadful feeling, all the things that I've done wrong that, you know, you have to answer for uh, when I'm there. You know, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm praying, Lord, the things that I've repented of, you know, I'm just praying that He. Well, what do you think
1: Jesus is talking about when He says that the husbandman God, keeper of the vineyard, what, what do you think he means when he says that God will... You know, those, those branches that are in Christ are not producing the fruits that they're supposed to be producing. What do you think it means when he, he, Jesus said that God will purge you from the vine and cast you into the fire?
2: There again, I don't feel like... Whoever goes to hell... Never had it to begin with. They may be in the group. It's just like, you know, all the the, the lost folks that go to church. For whatever reason, if they're still oh, looking. All churches or if, are full of them. Right. Yeah. To me, that's the vine. Okay. And if these people who are lost choose not to accept salvation, I don't look at it as in jesus throwing them into the lake of fire they threw their self in there by rejecting
1: i mean yeah it was their own choices that they're not producing
2: and that's right that's that's where i see that um because we all know like you said church is full of lost people and you just hope you know you're looking for that message for for the ones if you know somebody that's lost you know you're looking for that message, and you're watching them, just waiting to see if they're going to take off running, you know. And that's all we can do is pray that one day they'll get that message. And that's that's the hardest thing. Nikki, my wife has the hardest thing with, because she witnesses and she witnesses, and it drives her nuts because she'll find one that she's really witnessing hard to, and they're not moving. And I told her you have to stop. Pray for them. You planted the seed. The hardest thing
1: that, and I. The hardest thing I come to understand is when you when you sit back and read the entire Romans chapter 8, we're predestined. God already knows who's going to accept Him and who's not going to accept Him. Now, we don't know that. We as humans have no idea. So our job is, because we don't know who's going to accept Him and who's not, we spread the gospel to everybody. But God already knows that so we're predestined chosen justified and glorified so there are some people like you said nikki's witnessing to one person and they just hard-headed or not having it or not hearing it the bible also says don't cast your pearls of wisdom before the dogs and the swan there are some people out there they if you try a couple of times and they're not having it and they're not wanting anything to do with it, you just got to, like, throw Just your hand
2: know through. what I tell her. Just know that you planted the seed. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else can come along and water it. They're either going to take it, accept it, or they won't. But it won't be because they didn't have the opportunity. Yeah. Nobody will stand before our father and say, I never knew. Or, Nobody told me. Yeah. Because they've been told. Everybody will get the opportunity. It's what they do with it, and I don't think people understand hell is real, and it's hot. You think it's hot and dry in East Tennessee? <laughs> oh Man, yeah, you got a whole nother thing coming.
1: I think the only thing that, and this is this is some randiology. The only the only thing that's not kept the good Lord from coming back yet is there's still people that need to hear. There's still at least one person somewhere,
2: and you look at there's there's babies being born every day. Now we all know if the Lord came back right now and a baby was born at the same time, that baby's going straight. They're going to
1: heaven. These children, they're going to heaven.
2: There's so many people, but and the thing is, and it's I've told Nikki this too. You know, we all say it's coming, and it is coming. coming. I know that. I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetime, but but one day is as a thousand years so yeah it's it's getting close yeah now it may be like like the preacher said All right, 500 years from now well that's still a lot closer than it was from day one yeah uh, but but we should always be I ready can, i can always imagine you know just like when i'll say world war ii mm-hmm. can you imagine the people that were saying wow this is a sign of the times You know, because that was big. But that's that's happened all the way
1: through the years. I mean, you know, even from the time that Jesus was on the earth. Yeah. You know, there was prophecies being fulfilled. And even Jesus said, you know, until uh, every dot, and every line is crossed, you know, these things are going to happen. You know, this generation will not pass away before these things, you know, take place. And after Jesus went to heaven, and you got Paul, and people thought then that you know the things that were going on that you know this is the end, you know, and and it and it's continued to be a thing. Now, am I saying that Jesus has not come? Yeah, he's coming. We just have to be prepared. We have to be prepared at all times. And like I was saying earlier, I believe there's still people somewhere in this world that need to hear the gospel. God's god's a very just person i feel like he's gonna give every opportunity to each and everybody until that last person's heard it and there's prophecies that are being fulfilled today and there's still prophecies that are going to be fulfilled and they're and they're coming i mean if you can't look at the world around us right now and see hell and devastation that's going on and and just our local government state and just the united states I mean, it plays out on the world stage that things are lining up, and that you'd be naive not to see that. coming. Right. So, you know, it's just one of those things. So, all I can say is just be ready for it. Be prepared. It.
2: You know, and that's what I say. My preparations have been made. My, I've got my reservations made. I, I don't, I don't want to rush things. I want to see my girls grow up. I want to see my grass get saved. Just like I said tonight, that's that's the last piece of my puzzle.
1: Like I tell my wife all the time, I wanna grow old and be a burden on on somebody.
2: But I mean that's that's really you know, I'm not trying to rush it. I'm ready for whenever it's time. If he come back a second from now, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't I don't wanna hold things up and I know I won't. But uh I mean and that's what you you can't get it to cross the people, especially non believers, you know. Yeah. All, I can, all you can do, and it's frustrating, I agree with Nikki; it's frustrating, but you just give them the word, let them, let them kick it around, just plant the seed, and eventually they'll either give in or they'll give up. Yeah. I mean, that's all we can do. That That's really it. I mean, I just, I don't want to see anybody go to hell. I want to see them turn before
1: they burn. That's it. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, Brother Jason, I guess we'll wrap it up here and let, uh. Nathan, who wasn't here with us tonight, figure out how to put this thing on there. He can do so, it. I
2: got all the confidence in him. <laughs> Good he luck, did. Nate.
1: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Feeding the Faith on the Servants of God Network. Uh, this is Brother Randy. Um, I feel like God's it than my heart to try to do a, a podcast every day, uh, 15, 20 minutes long. Um the concept that God's laid on my heart today is the word adultery. And in that word, um, we take it to mean um, man and woman, husband, wife, um, somebody that commits adultery uh, has stepped outside the bounds of marriage and, and the seat um, relations with another person, but I want to bring your attention to, uh, to look at uh, the word adultery in a different way. Um, we all know that the 10 commandments there, one of the commandments is thou shalt not commit adultery, but I want you to look at it like this. I don't, I don't believe that it's just uh, adultery pertaining to a man and a woman, a husband and wife. Um, I believe the Ten Commandments was written when the, when those were, were put down by Moses on, on, on the mount. Um, I believe God was trying to tell us not to commit adultery on him. And for those of you that are hearing this, I know you're probably asking a question, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by committing adultery on God? First and foremost, our relationship with God is a very intimate relationship. God knows each and every thing about us, and we strive to learn all that we can about God. And we try to draw closer to Him and try to have a relationship with Him, a very close, intimate relationship. And to commit adultery on God um, could be several things. First and foremost, uh, another commandment: Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. So, any time that you put something before God, or you give something more time and more uh, thought than what you're giving God, then you're you're making that a god above God himself. In second place would be. um to entertain or give thought or even be associated with uh some other religion. Um of what you know, I watch a lot of, you know, historical stuff on television or, you know, um guy goes around in different cultures and different beliefs and stuff and and he participates in what they how they believe and, you know, their practices, um, religious practices and stuff. And, you know, I I see the, see the guy on TV and he don't give much thought to it. You know, he's, and I guess in his mind, he's being respectful and, you know, and doing whatever, but that's committing adultery on God. You know, I don't know that man's heart on television. I don't know how he believes or how strong his faith is or anything of that nature, but, And the fact is that anybody, anybody that entertains or even gives thought or, and yeah, I get it. He's being respectful to their beliefs and their practices. But the fact of the matter is, if he's a child of God, he's committing adultery on God, period. When we bring those things into our homes or into our lives, there is one God, one true God. If you're not worshiping Him, and you're not putting Him first and foremost, and you're not giving Him all the honor and the glory and all the praise, then you're not doing it right. You're wrong. And don't and don't misunderstand. I'm I'm as guilty as anybody of getting things out of line and and you know focusing on things that that can wait and not putting God first. Yes, I'm guilty of that. But it's time we wake up and we realize what we're doing. And as a child of God, we need to understand that God is first and foremost in all things, above all things. We can't put things before Him. We can't commit adultery on Him. This is a very loving relationship. As a child of God, we are we're considered part of the church, and the church is the bride of Christ to come. We have to start thinking that way. We have to start putting God first and foremost in everything that we do and all that we do. And we cannot entertain any any other practices, religions. I don't care who we are or where we are at or what we're doing. It has to be God first all the time. Period. The Bible plainly tells us that adultery, adulterous people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I believe that's that's pretty much what God is saying. Anybody who's who's claimed to be a Christian and worship God and, and put other gods first and allowed other practices to go on would not be part of the kingdom of heaven. Period. I mean, there's scripture all through, all through the, the Bible that, that tells us those that those things. I will pull up a, a, a few scriptures just to kind of back up what I'm saying here. Um, like I said, it's it's one of the Ten Commandments. And if you look at you look at the the true definition of adultery, it's a you know it's sex relations outside of of marriage. So as a child of God, as part of the church, the bride of Christ, then we're married to God. We shouldn't be thinking about any other religion or or even giving second thought to anybody else's uh, beliefs or ways. We we shouldn't even entertain those things. The fact of the matter is, is Christians in general have have let this go on too long. We've we've let other religions interfere with with our faith. Uh, we give place to other religions and practices. The, the whole New Age movement is, is a complete joke and nothing but the devil. And you're starting to see it more and more. Obviously, the different translations of the Bible, that, believe it or not, a lot of the other religions have a big influence on, the, on that. But we let it happen we let those things come into our life and we don't think nothing about it and we wonder how the devil ha- has managed to uh, get involved in our life and wreck havoc and and cause chaos when the fact of the matter is is we caused it we allowed it to happen cuz we put things before god we we put god on a um, on the shelf or the back burner And never made him first, made him a priority, number one in our life. If you're not waking up and the first thing you do is talk to God. Or if you're not, the last thing you do before you fall asleep is talking to God. And if you're not talking to God throughout the day. Then you really need to sit down and and, and search, search out what's wrong. Ask God to show you the sin in your life. The Bible says we should pray without ceasing. We should be constantly talking to God all day, every day, making Him number one in our life. And I guarantee you, if you'll put Him first and foremost in all that you do every day, your life will completely change. So I've said all that. I feel like somebody needed to hear that. Uh, For some reason, God laid that on my heart. We just need to stop all the the craziness. We need to stop. Stop the, the insanity, the stupidity. Quitting letting the world tell us what to do and let the world affect us in our Christian walk it's not okay to put things above God it's not okay to to entertain other religions uh, and I don't know who the person was uh, somebody showed me on a social media app you can, you can I'm sure you can probably figure out which one I'm talking about how uh, this this Christian girl had went overseas and while she was over there, um, I want to say it was like a some kind of Buddhist or Hindu priest or whatever, and like she done the whole you know spill and was blessed by this Buddhist priest. Adultery, adultery on God. Period. She will have to answer for that one day. Don't get caught up in that. Don't even have that sin in your life. Period. The most kind and gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I, I pray that this this has reached somebody's heart and mind. Father, maybe somebody that is going to hear this, Lord, will, will give second thought to doing the things that they've done, Lord, that would cause them to commit adultery on you. And Lord, I pray you just draw each and every one of your children closer to you. Father, I pray that you just strengthen them, give them the the courage to to face this world and to help them put you first and foremost in in all that they do. And Lord, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise for it all. For it's in Jesus' holy name I ask and pray. Amen. Brother Randy here again on uh, Feeding the Faith, Servants of God Network. Um, just want to take a few moments here. If you, if you hear the noise in the background, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm headed home from work. Um, this thought was on my mind all day. And I'm sure those of you that hear this and are listening to this can relate how many times have you been out and about around maybe people you work with or family or friends and you, and you hear one of the one particular people around you that, that's obviously not a Christian based, you know, and like we don't know one another's heart. It's no way to know exactly where their heart lies. But the Bible says we can tell a person by the fruits that they bear. If you look at the way they live their life, the way they act, the way they speak, and it's, it's very easy to tell that certain people are, are not followers of Christ, they're not Christians, and you hear them speak and say something to the extent of, Oh, Lord, or Oh, Jesus, or things like that make me upset because they're, they're doing nothing but taking the Lord's name in vain. And not to, not to step outside of my beliefs and my faith. And, you know, I try to bite my tongue and not say anything because it's gonna, it's gonna turn into an argument. But it, it just makes me cringe that they call on somebody that they do not follow or do not uh, worship or, or praise. That they they obviously don't have that God or Jesus in their life. And to make it even worse, um, a particular instance happened today that I was speaking with a lady and um, uh, I was asking her about uh, tomorrow. I asked her if she was going to be, uh, be there when we come back up there tomorrow. And, she, and the first word she said was, if it's, if it's the Lord's will, I'll be here. And that automatically gave me the, the clue that she was a Christian lady. And so I was, I was speaking to her, and we got to talking a little bit. And and she was telling me that, you know, if the Lord did come back, then she was ready to go. And I told her the same thing. I said, uh, I can only hope He comes back. I said, I'd be more than willing to, to leave this old world. I, I'm ready to go. But there was an, another person standing beside us, and, and I've, I've been around this person quite a few times at work. I've never seen anything cr- Christian-like or Christ-like from this person—the uh, language and and the way they act and talk and the things they talk about—and the first words out of their mouth were, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be ready to go. Got to be ready to go." And I, and I didn't say anything, but it, it just kind of looked at them, and I was uh, I was like, R- are, you, "Are you serious? Are you seriously?" pretending to be a christian right now and it's not my place to judge like i said i don't know their heart i don't know you know if they truly know god but based on their actions and the 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 fruits that they're bearing i would have to say no i don't believe they are and the whole world's full of those people Bible tells us that there's going to be a time when every knee shall bow and every mouth shall confess that that Jesus is Lord but in the meantime if you you don't know him I pray that you do come to know him but don't use his name in vain he is the almighty the creators of the heavens and the earth his ways, his knowledge are so far above ours. He's due all our worship and all our praise. There's nothing he can't do. Just the just the the air from his his nostrils, the the pointing of his his hand, just his thoughts alone can control everything he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's not not to be taken lightly. His name's not to be thrown around like a common name. So the next time you hear somebody use his name in vain like that, you only ask the good Lord above, our Heavenly Father, to forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't understand the power His name holds. And pray that they find they find the true meaning of that name that they're using and pray that they come to know the Lord Jesus before it's too late. Then, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that You just give us the strength and the courage to to continue on in your name lord help us to to shine the light of christ to those around us lord that we could show them the, the true meaning of your name and father what it truly means to to call upon you and not just to be saying it to be saying it father help us to show the fruits of the spirit in our life lord that those around us would know that we are your children Lord, I pray that there be somebody to hear this today, Lord, that that doesn't know you. Lord, I pray that they they do come to know you. Come to, to understand who you really are. Father, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise for it all. For it's in Jesus' holy name we ask and pray. Amen.